0: But before I invite you to turn there, let's see if we can't uh, remember our memory verse for the month of December, Matthew 1.21. Ready? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21. Amen. Well, with that, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew Chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 18 through 25 this morning as we consider Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to uh, begin by uh, reading this passage together. And uh, I know you just sat down, but uh, since these words are breathed out by God and come with the very authority of Jesus Christ himself If you're able, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. The Holy Spirit says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, as we open your word today, I pray that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things, open our minds that you may renew them, and open our hearts that you may conform us to the image of God. Of Christ we love you and praise you it's in Jesus name we pray amen well Mary and Joseph were not yet married they were betrothed they were legally committed to marrying one another but other than that they didn't live together they didn't act married in any other way but they were legally committed to getting married to one another And so you can imagine how devastating it was for Joseph to discover that his wife-to-be was pregnant, knowing he was not the father. So Joseph couldn't go through with the marriage anymore. But even though he didn't want to go through with the marriage anymore, he also didn't want to embarrass Mary. They were legally committed to each other, so they had to be legally divorced, but Joseph decided he didn't want to make a public spectacle out of their divorce. He would go through the legal proceedings with as few people knowing as possible. But in addition to just trying to have to figure out the logistics and the the, the, the process of how all this was going to happen, just imagine what Joseph must have been feeling. How sad he must have been. How defeated. How he must have felt betrayed, believing that Mary had sinned against him. Imagine how lonely he felt. Imagine the fear he must have felt. But there as Joseph has this mind flooded with all these thoughts, What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? In what manner will I do these things? What does this mean for me? What has happened to me? All of the thoughts that we all know when we're trying to go to sleep and they decide to crank up right as our head hits the pillow and keep us from getting a silent night of sleep. Right in the thick of Joseph's anxious thoughts, his mind spinning about all of these things, an angel steps in. And appears to him in a dream. And he cuts through the anxious thoughts to bring a message from God. And I'll just say this. When our minds are racing with anxious thoughts, what we need is the word of God to step in and cut through the fog. And we need to hear the words that Joseph got to hear from that angel. Fear not. Do not fear. Joseph heard the words that he needed to hear, the words we need to hear, the words that if an angel is going to speak to you, you want to hear. Do not fear. You don't have to fear that you're doing anything wrong. You don't have to fear harming your reputation. You don't have to fear that Mary has sinned against you. You don't have to fear to take Mary as your wife. Don't change your plans. Marry her and raise this child as your own. And as we've already read, we know that Joseph does that. He does exactly what the angel told him to do. He follows the angel's instructions. He was going one way at the beginning of the story, but by the end of the story, he totally changes course. But why? What made the difference between the beginning of the story and the end of the story? Or as we sang a moment ago, what child is this? What child is this that would change Joseph's plans so dramatically? What child is this whose birth was announced by an angel from heaven. What child is this who is worthy of all of us coming together and gathering here today, taking time on this holiday to come and gather and worship him? What child is this? Well, the angel told Joseph not to fear because this child is from the Holy Spirit. This was not man's doing. This was God's doing. This child comes from God. And the angel revealed what child this is, who this child is. He revealed the purpose of this child and the identity of this child to Joseph in two names. In these two names, we see the purpose of this child and the identity of this child. It's because of these two names that Joseph did not have to fear. It's because of these two names that we gather to celebrate Christmas today. It's because of these two names that our lives can be changed for eternity. And the first name is Jesus. The angel told Joseph to name the boy Jesus. Why? Well, look at verse 21 with me again she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. That's why he was to name this child Jesus, because this child came to save The name Jesus uh, is also the name uh, Joshua or Yeshua, and it means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. The child given to Mary and Joseph came to save, and so he got the name Jesus, Yahweh saves. The people of God in Jesus' day needed to be saved. They needed to be saved in a lot of different ways. They needed to be saved from an oppressive government, the Roman Empire. They needed to be saved from sickness and physical impairments. They needed to be saved from death. But Jesus came to bring an even better salvation than just salvation from any one of those things. Because, as the angel said, he came to save his people from their sins, he came to save people from sin. Well, why is that better than being saved from any of the things that I mentioned before? Because sin is the root problem of every other problem that we face. Everything that we face that we would need to be saved from is either the direct result of human sin, or it's a result of the brokenness that exists in creation that came about because of the sin of mankind. Sin is the root cause of every problem we face. And Jesus came to save us from that root cause. He came to save us from sin. Well, so how would this child of Mary and Joseph save his people from their sins? Well, later in this very uh, gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus would tell his disciples, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. As a ransom for many. At Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples, he took a cup of wine and he said this in Matthew 26 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came to give his life to save sinners from their sins. He came to save us by giving up his life that we might be forgiven, that he might purchase us for himself. Through his death, Jesus saves his people from the penalty of sin. The greatest problem that we face as a result of sin is the wrath of God. Because of our sin against God, we all deserve to die. We deserve eternal death. We have all sinned against God, and we all deserve to be condemned by Him. And God cannot forgive our sins against Him unless the debt we owe Him is paid. Jesus came to shed His own blood to pay the debt that we owed, to bear the penalty that we deserved for the ways that we sinned against God. If you've never trusted in Jesus to save you, to forgive you of your sins, today you can be forgiven of the penalty of sin. Every sin you've ever committed against God, the worst thing that maybe you don't even want to imagine, it can be forgiven because there was a child who was born who grew and gave up his life to pay the penalty that you should have paid? You can belong to his people who he saves from sin. If you admit that you're a sinner and turn away from sin, turn away from also trying to save yourself or make yourself right with God. Turn away from all that and give your life to Jesus saves his people from their sins. Trust him. Place your faith in him alone, and you are saved from your sins. Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin, but Jesus also saves from the power of sin. He saves us from the power of sin. Because even if we're forgiven of sin, as amazing as that is, forgiven people can still really mess up their lives by sinning. Uh, The penalty of sin is a problem, but it's also a problem that apart from Christ, we are all slaves to sin. We live in bondage to sin. We're incapable of doing anything but sin. But Jesus came to save his people from the power of sin too. Just thinking about the Gospel of Matthew where we're in uh, this morning, if Jesus only came to save us from the penalty of sin, well, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit and all that, the Sermon on the Mount is good for nothing except to just show us all the ways that we've screwed up and that we need to be forgiven. But because Jesus saves us not just from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin, we can actually read the Sermon on the Mount and obey it. And live in the good of the vision of life that Jesus casts for his people. So on this Christmas day, during this Christmas holiday, because Jesus saves his people from their sins, because he saves us from the power of sin, you can be a blessed peacemaker within your family. You can let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You can respond with good even when someone sins against you. You can choose not to be anxious. You can do to others as you would have them do to you. So when you're tempted to think that sin is your only option, remember these words. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, including the power of sin over you. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. He came to save us from the power of sin, but Jesus also came to save us from the presence of sin. Even if we are forgiven of sin and even if we live in freedom from having to sin, we still get sick. We're still sinned against. We still face the schemes of the devil. We still face natural disasters. We still die. But one day, Jesus will save his people from the very presence of sin sin and all of its effects. Jesus even gave a preview of what this would look like during his earthly ministry. He saved a woman from a discharge of blood that she had had for 12 years. He saved Peter from death at sea. He cast out demons. He healed the paralyzed. He calmed storms. He raised the dead. And all of this was just a taste of the total and complete salvation that Jesus will bring at his second advent. Jesus will save his people from the very presence of sin and all of its effects when he comes. He promised his disciples in Matthew 24, verse 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. His name is Jesus because he came to save us from sin, totally, completely, and eternally. Jesus came to save us from our sins. But Jesus isn't the only name of Christ mentioned in this passage. The second name is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. If the name Jesus tells us who, oh, excuse me, if the name Jesus tells us what Christ came to do, the name Emmanuel tells us who Christ came to be. After telling us about the angel's visit to Joseph, Matthew pauses the story and he makes a comment in verses 22 and 23. Look at those verses. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was a promise made by God through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14. And the promise was of a baby whose birth would be a sign that God is with His people. But the amazing thing about the fulfillment of that promise is that the birth of Jesus wasn't just a sign. The baby born Himself was was God with His people. The baby, this person who was born, was God in the flesh, who was born to dwell with His people. Jesus was with His people as Emmanuel during His earthly ministry. God the Son existed for all of eternity as God, but He took on human flesh. He was born of the Virgin Mary so He could physically Dwell with His human people. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. The Gospel of John says in John one fourteen, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's good news, but Jesus didn't stop being God with us when he ascended to the Father after his earthly ministry. Jesus promised his disciples that he would continue to be with us, with us as Emmanuel. He promised to be with his local churches as we make decisions in his name Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Emmanuel, God with us. He promised also to be with us as we make disciples. Jesus said in the very last verses of this Gospel of Matthew in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Emmanuel, God with us. As we carry out our life together as a church, Jesus is with us, among us. As we carry out our mission together as a church, Jesus is with us always. Whatever we may face as his people in the coming year, we can move forward with confidence because we are not alone. We're not alone. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And one day Jesus will be with us physically again. He said in Matthew 25, verses 31 and 34, when the Son of Man comes in all His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And John tells us in Revelation 21 and verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. Even as we celebrate Christ's first advent, His first coming, we long for the day that he comes again to dwell with us forever. I want you to consider how the names Jesus and Emmanuel go together, how they relate to one another. And here's how. Jesus came to save his people from their sins so that he could be God with us. Jesus came to save His people from their sins so that He could be God with us. The end goal of God's salvation of His people is God's presence with His people. This is the great reward of salvation for all who trust in Christ. The presence of of God, dwelling with us forever, enjoying God Himself. The hope of the gospel is not just the absence of sin. The hope of the gospel is the presence of God. Being saved from sin gets us back to the purpose that God made us for, to glorify Him and to enjoy Him, the eternal God with blessings that are beyond what we can imagine. The eternal God with glories that are unsearchable. With sin out of the way, we can enjoy Him fully in His presence for all of eternity. So today, as we're gathering here in person, uh, there is something sweet about being in each other's presence. Uh, There's something about being together with one another that is just special to be able to celebrate. And maybe today, uh, after this, you get to go and be in the presence of loved ones and enjoy just being with people, being together. As you enjoy this moment of presence, as you enjoy that moment of being with one another, pause and just remember that whatever joy we experience in this is only a small taste of the joy of not just talking about God, not just knowing who God is, not just remembering stories about Jesus walking on the earth, but being with him, having God with us in his presence for all of eternity. And if this Christmas you're feeling alone, and I don't mean that you don't have people around you. Maybe you don't, or maybe you have a ton of people around you, but you're still feeling alone. You need to know that Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. And if you are in Christ, you are never alone no matter what you are facing, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter who's missing, you're not alone. Even today, as we wait for that day, Jesus said, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is Emmanuel, God with us today. So what child is this? He is Jesus. He's the one who saves us from our sins. He is Emmanuel. He is God with his people now and forever. So come, let us adore him. Would you pray with me? Father, we join the wise men today and we bow and we worship Christ the King. Jesus, we praise you, our Savior, Emmanuel. We adore you, our God who is with us even now as we gather. We thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for who you are. Jesus, we love you and praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing.